that internal monologue that you find yourself repeating when things don't go as planned? Do you say hateful things to yourself? Do you call yourself mean names and consider yourself a failure? Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Kim Peek. I'm a certified running and triathlon coach and the author of an upcoming book on training for an endurance event. I can't wait to tell you all about my book and I will just as soon as my publisher is ready for me to share. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you should already have a good idea of what I'm all about and the approach that I take when working with my clients to help them train for running and triathlon events of all distances. I'm looking forward to reaching more people with my message and helping more people get to the start line happy, healthy, and strong. I always do a What's Your Word podcast or post at the end of the year all about choosing a phrase or word to focus on for the new year, and this year is no different. But I want to put a little different spin on the exercise this year because New Year's resolutions are bogus. That's right. Now, if you find it fun, go ahead, knock yourself out and make those resolutions. But if you're like most people who feel pressured to proclaim a resolution or you feel inadequate because you feel judged or because you always start out with great intentions and then find that by mid-January you are right back in your old ways, then this episode is for you. New Year's resolutions are bogus. Yep, I'm repeating that. New Year's resolutions are bogus. Now, why would I say that? Here's a few reasons why. One, there is no magic in the new year. January 1st is just as viable of a day to make a life change as February 13th or or March 30th or any other day of the year. Number two, declaring that you will make a change is just one part of the process. Resolving to start a fitness program or to eat more green veggies, it's definitely a step in the right direction. But without a plan in place to create behavior change that sticks, your efforts just aren't going to last long. As my friend Lynn Lindbergh of Couch Deactive likes to say, willpower is bogus. We are led to believe that all it takes is a tremendous amount of willpower and we can do anything we want. And then when we slip or fall, we beat ourselves up because we didn't try hard enough. Or maybe we don't, we just think that we don't have enough of that special willpower gene that everybody else seems to have. Now we know that's not true, right? And that, my friends, is where the crazy comes in because there is no willpower gene. There is nothing that makes us more able to stop smoking or drinking, or overeating cold turkey. There is no magical gene that makes it easy for some of us to pop out of bed when the moon is still out to start our workout. There just isn't. So if you are disenchanted when it comes to New Year's resolutions, but you have some changes you'd like to make in the coming year, I think you'll make more headway by making habit changes. Things that become habitual no longer require willpower or thought. They become so natural to us that we don't give them a second thought. About five years ago, I quit eating anything with gluten. 
for health reasons after working with my doctor to find some solutions for managing my thyroid condition. At Christmas dinner this year, my sister-in-law was going on and on about how delicious this piece of bread she was eating was. And then she paused, like she felt guilty for going on about something that I couldn't eat. Oh, I forgot, she said. You can't eat this. And honestly, I hadn't given it another thought until she had mentioned it. I can watch my family members eat waffles and pancakes and breads when we go out, and willpower doesn't come into play at all. I've gone without those things for so long that I just don't miss them. Or I don't feel bad when somebody else is eating them in front of me. It just doesn't phase me at all. So how do you get to the point that the behavior you want to change becomes second nature? How can you get to the point where somebody can eat or drink in front of you and you don't crave whatever it is that they're eating? Of course, it's more complicated than what I'm about to breeze through. But you develop new habits one day at a time through tiny behaviors with mindset work, by journaling, and by reflecting when your behavior falls short of your goal. Let's say you want to eat less sugar. What are some of the things you could do? Environment plays a big role in behavior change. So if you wanted to eat less sugar, one of the first things you'd want to do is set your environment up for success. You'd stock your fridge and pantry with healthy foods, fruits and veggies, nuts, seeds, things that are real food, And you'd probably also want to get the sugary processed food out of your house. Environment also includes who you spend your time with. So if you want to eat less sugar, it helps to have others who support your goals. And while you can't ditch your family or your coworkers, I mean, you could, but it's probably not a great idea. It does help if you can spend time with people who are supportive and encouraging and who want to help you succeed. And it goes without saying that you want to spend less time with people who encourage behaviors that sabotage your goals. One of the best books that I've read on habit changes is called Atomic Habits, and it's by James Clear. He says there are four stages that your brain goes through every time you create a habit. I'm going to read to you a few little excerpts from an article that he has on his website to help you kind of get a feeling for those four stages that your brain goes through. So first there is the cue. The cue triggers your brain to initiate a behavior. It is a bit of information that predicts the reward. Cravings are the second step of the habit loop and they are the motivational force behind every habit. Without some level of motivation or desire, without craving or change, we have no reason to react. What you crave is not the habit itself, but the change in state it delivers. You do not crave smoking a cigarette. You crave the feeling of relief it provides. The third step is the response. The response is the actual habit you perform, which can take the form of a thought or an action. Whether a response occurs depends on how motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior. So points one, two, and three, we have a cue, a craving, and a response. And whether or not the response occurs depends on how motivated you are and how much friction is associated with the behavior, how difficult it is for you to follow through with that behavior. Finally, the response delivers a reward. Rewards are the end goal of every habit. 
The cue is about noticing the reward. The craving is about wanting the reward. The response is about obtaining the reward. And we chase rewards because they serve two purposes. Number one, they satisfy us. And number two, they teach us. He continues, if a behavior is insufficient in any of the four stages, it will not become a habit. Eliminate the cue and your habit will never start. Reduce the craving and you won't experience enough motivation to act. Make the behavior difficult and you won't be able to do it. And if the reward fails to satisfy your desire, then you'll have no reason to do it again in the future. So just that last little bit I read should tell you pretty much all you need to know about how to at least stop doing negative behaviors. You eliminate the cue and your habit never starts. You reduce the craving and you won't experience enough motivation. You make it difficult and you just won't do it. And if the reward is not satisfying, then you have no reason to do it again. So here's an example from an article he posted on his website. Let's say you are answering emails. You begin to feel stressed and overwhelmed by work and you want to feel in control. So what you do is you bite your nails and biting your nails satisfies your craving to reduce stress. Biting your nails becomes associated with answering email. So let's take that to something that you might do. I know it's something I do. What if your problem is eating while you work, not biting your nails? Could it be that you reach for food when you feel overwhelmed or stressed and you feel better when you reach for a snack? So you associate eating with working on your computer. So every time you sit down, you get a little stressed. You just have developed this habit now where you reach for some junk food. And that makes you feel better and then you keep working. So you can kind of see how it's easy to overeat out of habit. It's not like you're really consciously choosing to overeat, but it's just become something that you do. These are the types of associations you can learn to make when you pause and reflect before acting or when you incorporate a journaling practice into your day. Let's say that you do great with the food selections all day long, but after your dinner, you go crazy with junk food and wine. So you skip your workout that you said you were going to get up to do, or you come home and binge on food while watching whatever you're watching on Netflix that night. You could have some pre-planned questions in your journal. So at the end of the night, when you are reflecting on your day and you're taking some time to write, you could ask yourself some questions. You might ask questions like, What was I supposed to do? What kept me from doing it? What was going on around me at the time? How was I feeling? How did I expect to feel after doing blank? Did I feel that way? What can I do next time I'm faced in a similar situation so that I will make the desired choice? If you can get into the habit of answering questions like this and being honest with yourself about what's really going on in your environment, with your mindset, you don't have to rely on willpower and you should start to see some behavior patterns and start to make some behaviors that you can change. 
With all of this mental stuff going on, you can see why behavior change is too complex to rely on willpower alone. And hopefully you can see why I started off this podcast by saying that New Year's resolutions are bogus. Now, I do believe that the words we tell ourselves matter and that the words we have running through our minds are significant. If you have a steady stream of negativity running through your head, if you think you're worthless or not worthy of having your dream, that stuff comes true. And you need to do the work to start believing positive things about yourself and your abilities. I'm not a therapist. So if you are feeling suicidal or depressed, you should make an appointment to work with someone who has training. But if you are someone who wants to make some changes in your life, whether that's running your first 5K or choosing foods that fuel your body, getting a new job, or just feeling more optimistic, you can begin to make changes with mindset work. What is that internal monologue that you find yourself repeating when things don't go as planned? Do you say hateful things to yourself? Do you call yourself mean names and consider yourself a failure? Or do you make a habit of flipping the experience and looking at the possibilities? If you trained for a 5K and you didn't get the time you wanted at your race, are you capable of looking at all the things you did do well? Are you able to look at the experience and think about what you will do better the next time? One of my favorite interviews I did in the last year was with Dina Castor. She talked about optimism and how to cultivate optimism. If you have not listened to it yet, go check out episode 53 of Power Up Your Performance. Dina is amazing. We can pause for a second and appreciate all the good and beauty and opportunity that's happening simultaneously, then the negativity tends to recede into the background and it feels like you're living a pretty abundant life. Another one of my favorite tricks is to use the phrase, I am the type of person who, and remind myself that what I, of what I want to do or be. So an example would be if I wanted to train for a marathon, I would say, I am the type of person who finishes marathons. People who finish marathons train consistently. They eat food that nourishes their bodies, they get at least eight hours of sleep each night, and they participate in activities that will help their mind and body recover. And that's a way to remind yourself of who you want to be. Decide what you want to accomplish and then list out the attributes or behaviors of that type of person. What behaviors do they have that support that goal? Tying this all the way back now to the idea that New Year's resolutions are bogus, I want you to do something. Select a word or an idea or a mantra that reflects a goal you have. It could be a specific goal you want to accomplish. It could be a theme for the year. It could be a way you want to feel. Then make that word visible. Whether you make a wall hanging or put the word on the home screen of your phone or on the steering wheel of your car, Make it a word that you see and reflect on daily. Make it part of your environment that you won't miss. When you're running or driving in traffic or feeling stressed, repeat that word or phrase to yourself. Last year, my word was aloha because I wanted to remember the way I felt on our vacation to Hawaii and make that part of my year all year long. I love Hawaii and just didn't want my Hawaiian vacation to end. So I wanted to carry that feeling with me throughout the year. I made a note card that I carried in my phone case and it gave more details on what aloha meant to me and what I wanted from the year. And 
then I took a look at, made sure that I looked at that note card every single day to start my day and repeated those things to myself. Some of those things didn't happen, but the number of things that did happen, it was amazing. Quite shocking to me, actually. But yeah, it was amazing. And that's just what happened when I had a little word that I carried around with me and I referred to it every single day. As we come to the end of 2019, I encourage you to reflect not only on your accomplishments from the last year, but from the entire decade. Take the time to feel good about who you are, bask in your own highlight reel without comparing yourself to others, and remember you are loved just the way you are. In the next episode, I want to give you an update on how my 2019 vision board went Even if you think vision boards are voodoo, too much woo-woo, take a listen to this one. I think it will also surprise you. Have a great new year, and I will talk to you in the roaring 20s. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe as a new podcast. Your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.